Katrina, uh, so happy to have you. Uh, welcome to Web3 Thought in Action podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to young professionals and young students who want to understand more about Web3, how to pursue your career in Web3, and come out of the world of jargons and learn real impact stories that's that's influencing people on the ground in the mainstream. So uh, Web3 Thought in Action, we love to invite guests like you who are sort of veterans in the, in the industry, who have spent a lot of time practically employing their skills from various backgrounds, working with various stakeholders. And it's an exciting opportunity to learn about you, about how you have carved your own niche in the Web3 space what most excites you, and I think most importantly, what advice would you give to young folks in the industry, right? So thank you so much for taking the time. So glad to have you. Thank you for having me, Akshat. It's a great pleasure to be here on your podcast today, and I look forward to talking to your audience. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Audience, this is Katrina Schutz. She's the woman of many talents. So Katrina, I'd like to give the mic to you to talk about if you'd like to share something about yourself um what do you do uh, what's your journey has been in the industry or just you know um, the stage is yours yeah thank you so yeah my name is katarina i'm based in austria central europe um i currently work in business development for accountants who are specialized in digital assets and crypto taxation so I'm, an, I'm a chartered accountant myself. I moved to New Zealand when I was 20 and I became a chartered accountant and auditor there and um, pursued several roles in financial accounting afterwards and then returned 11 years later. I returned back to Europe, to Austria, actually. And, um, yeah, the last... When did I get into, into crypto and blockchain? Well, I started... My interest was first peaked actually as a as an investor. So uh, someone introduced me to the Bitcoin white paper in 2015, and back then I couldn't actually make any sense of it. Uh, it was too far away from what I was doing at the time. And then it took a few more years until I actually grasped the concept. And in 2018, I entered, yeah, as an investor, but also as a content writer, content creator. And later went on to work in a, a, for an IT company, an Austrian company that produces IT software to do your crypto tax report. So if you have invested in crypto assets, they do the calculation. Um, yeah. And now I'm here working in business development, back in accounting. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and the current, current um, company is focused in blockchain space. Yeah, so we, I would say we're a boutique tax advisory firm. So we are completely focused on the blockchain space. So on the one hand, we help startups with their token launch from a legal perspective, not so much the technical perspective, but more the legal aspects of how to design it, what to look out for, what regulations to take into account, and also private people, of course, who are filing the tax returns and, you know, People are differently active in crypto. Like, you know, some are more the hodlers. Oh, there we go with jargon. The people who like to buy and hold their, their crypto long term. And um, others that are more active, you know, they might be trading NFTs or they might have bots running, et cetera. And then it can become very complex. And this is where we jump in and, um, you know, make sense of it and also put it into the right categories from a tax and regulatory perspective. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. So started as a chartered accountant, spent a lot of time auditing uh, in the financial space, and then moved when when you came across Bitcoin, the Bitcoin paper, thanks to your friend. I think that person did a great job. We should thank him uh, or her, essentially. So, so your journey started as an investor, right? Mm-hmm. So that is not usual for a lot of people, especially because when you are coming across a new technology, it's everything fresh. You don't know where the technology is going, what's really the impact and who are the players. So what was your vantage point? How are you seeing from an investor's perspective? Uh, what excited you to take the investor approach? Mm-hmm. So I'm passionate about, about I'm very passionate about uh, taking responsibility for, of our own business and our finances, our financial well-being, in my opinion, is definitely our own business. Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto technology, it came in as a means of diversification. So to actually look into yeah, into a new technology to allocate, you know, a small risk part to that. That was what um, yeah, was okay. part of my interest. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And from there you mentioned you you work with an organization on the content side. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so this was actually related to tax as well. So my my job title was, you know, content director. So I would, you know, design the content strategy, how how we could make sense of the legal jargon and the tech jargon, relating it to normal English um, in plain English or plain German or whatever, plain French, whatever we were doing. <laughs> um, so that was, um, yeah, that was my role there. And that was that's also a great joy, you know, because... For me, it is all about making it accessible. So if you think about, you know, the audience here, maybe, you know, you're you're already, you already have an advantage. You're a digital native, right? So like I'm not a digital native. Like I'm I'm 40 plus, so I'm I'm not a digital native. I I love explaining things to people who aren't maybe you know naturally that that close to the subject. And it's, I think it's the same with technology. I actually just started um, with the question or with the introduction that it seems so much, you know, technology. And then the start, it was, you know, the the, the real OGs, the original gangsters in Bitcoin that were, you know, techies that were coming very strongly from the technological side. And now it's opened up to so much more. Like there, there is a space for us, you know, there's a space for regulators and there's a space for marketers in this. And th- there is a space even for medicine like you know if you come from a medical background uh, blockchain can play a big role in that or uh, in the industry like if we're doing if we're thinking of um supply chain certificates or material proving certificates like it's so vast and i think it's exciting to turn that language into something that can be understood by everyone Yeah, that is absolutely true. And I love the part where you where you mentioned that you wanted to make it accessible. That, that was your approach and your motivation. And with that, it reminds me one, I think that's, that's how you like to call your motto. You're an education enthusiast with a habit to innovate. I love that line. I mean, that, that's really, that really speaks to your intentions and your motivations to make it accessible, the, the technology. So could you walk us through the approach? In terms of uh, when you were initially as a content creator, tax or financial side of things, but you were 
uh, making this knowledge accessible. What was your approach? Because there is, again, so much noise, even today, and I can imagine maybe three, four years back, it was the same thing, right? There was too much, there's too much noise, too much information in the in the market through various social media platforms. So how did you distill that knowledge, make it a compact, succinct version for someone who's a layman, not crypto native, so to speak, to understand what this world is and how it would impact them? What was going to your mind? Mm -hmm. What was your approach? So the first place to start from, I think, is always passion because it gets you the most results the quickest, right? Like, so whatever, whatever grabs you, follow that passion because you're just so ready to dive in and we turn into sponges and we soak up everything. And then, of course, as you said, quickly you get to the point of, whoa, information overload. Like It's just way too much that you're finding out there. And at the same time, um, not necessarily of the quality that you're looking for, right? So I think then we quickly have to find filters. And this is also... But I could recommend to anyone who wants to start in content in this to, to establish reputation of being a trustworthy, reputable source. Because just think about your, your friend is new to crypto and you bring him or her to crypto Twitter and they're faced with memes and they're faced with scams and they're, they're faced with all this jargon and all this language where a normal person would just turn straight around <laughs> and walk away. So I think we we have a possibility to get each and every one of us who wants to create a content platform to, to establish this, yeah, this, this space, a, a safe space for people to come to and get valuable content that they can understand and actually want to consume and digest. And then I'm also a big believer in learning across disciplines. So we can learn from other areas. And if we think of academia, what, what does academia do? First, you, you know, you have a broad, you have a broad base, right? Then you specialize in something. And it's the same with this. We need to specialize in something. It's too, too vast today to know everything about crypto. And like, you know, a, a programmer might need different information than a marketer will want or than a regulator would want. So from that broad base, we go to specialize. And then what else happens in academia is that you question what you're doing. So I think once we've specialized, it's a good, it's a really good um, good advice to go to someone who totally disagrees with what you think. So, you know, if you're if you're a big crypto fan in terms of investment, well, I would go to someone who's a who's a gold bug like Peter Schiff, yeah, and actually ask why do you not like this thing? Or talk, you know, uh, Think about Warren Buffett's idea of investing and why would he not invest in something like Bitcoin and blockchain? And because then we become real experts in that chosen field that we've taken. And um, yeah, oh, yeah, the filters, maybe the, the um, layers of filters. Like, because um, I have two two filters that I use. So one is the interest, of course, from the regulatory and the tech side. That is, you know, sort of this the side of the professional filter. And then the other side of my my professional filter is the investment filter. So I actually I subscribe to you know two or three paid newsletters that filter that information for me. Then I I know, you know, I know, I know that I'm looking through a filter, but 
that's okay because it it gives me the information I need in a consumable time and format. Because you know how much like, how much time do you have to listen to listen to you know Twitter Spaces and be on Discord channels, etc. Like time is limited, right? <laughs> so. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I completely agree with you in terms of having that curated source of knowledge, right? So you don't you don't want to keep your eyes and ears open twenty four seven. So we are all bouncing off each other's knowledge and learning from each other. So that's that's a very effective way to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, when when you create this content, right, it comes from the curiosity that you have about a certain topic, and then you dive deeper into it. I, I like that you talk about specialization is essentially the name of the game. How do you do you in terms of actually producing that content to become a thought leader? Do you keep an audience in mind? Okay, who am I writing this for? Or is it more about, okay, you uh, you are trying to understand, curious about a topic and then just diving head, head first and then just trying to figure out, okay, if I want to make this understandable for myself, how do I do it? So, so what's your outlook? Yeah, um, the, the greatest thing that can happen is to actually meet a reader <laughs> who wants to have a conversation <laughs> with, with us, right? Because then we get such valuable feedback because they ask all the questions, whether this made sense, whether it helped them further, etc. So that is the best source that we can have. And I think it's always, it is best to talk to a real person because mm-hmm. if we write this, yeah, I can try to make sense of it for me, it's a, good, it's a good starting point, right? Like it needs to make sense in our own brain first, but then just imagine telling it to your friend at the kitchen table, explaining to him or her how yeah. this would work, right? And then I think automatically we lose the jargon because our friends will not know the jargon and we're not going to bombard them <laughs> with, some, with some theoretical stuff. So, yeah. And something that has worked for you in terms of you, your experiences, uh, your conversations with people who have knowledge in the industry, people who might not have knowledge in the industry, but when you when you explain them something or when you just have a conversation, that yes, this this clicks, this makes them understand it in a much better way. Is it like showing them an actual use case? Hey, this is how it's working in the industry today, or showing them over the potential. Okay, this is how it will look like if it's actually. Uh, live you know in, in the best case scenario so oh, something that has worked do you think that comes top of your mind mm. your contributions? i think it's ideally having a solution for one of their problems uh, like selling content is no different than selling any other product mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's talk about the solutions and again we're losing the jargon when we're talking about the solution that's very well put Amazing. I'm going to make a note of it. That that makes a lot of sense. It just checked a lot of boxes in my head. So <laughs> very nicely put. And so shifting gears, right? We talked about content, content production. How is it important not just for yourself to grow uh, as a thought leader, but also to share knowledge about about stakeholders? So I know you you in your work. And outside work as an individual thought leader, you spend, you mentioned two lenses, the financial lens and the regulatory lens. So what kind of stakeholders do you deal with? Uh, any? So you mentioned private businesses as well as government. Did you, did you mention government? Do you also spend time there? Mm, not, not, not directly. So it's more businesses like, you know, 
businesses that are setting up and um, private individuals who are interested in, in the topics. Yeah. And government only, well, my in a uh, peripheral area, I would say, right? Because we're, you know, as, as thought leaders, if we are, um, you know, being being a tax advisory professionals, we sometimes get invited to participate in in a decision making process. So to participate in a way of, you know, providing the knowledge from the industry, and that of course is very enjoyable and very valuable. Okay. But, um, Mostly, like if, if I'm talking about the the content I'm creating, stakeholders are really largely businesses, people interested in in uh, academia. So uh, some you know students that are now more and more writing their master thesis about blockchain technology, etc. So they they could even come from the tax advisory or ca- accounting perspective, or from the uh, sociology perspective, and then they could be interviewed and yeah might draw on the sources of content that we provide there so yeah yeah okay okay so on that note right because so one school of thought is that there is a huge gap in terms of and you know that's that school of thought is also actually why our podcast's name is based web three thought and action because there's a gap between thought what's taught in class in the mm-hmm. And what's really required on ground in terms of action. So there is a gap. Do you, do you see that gap in terms of because the technology is going so fast, uh, improving, yeah, advancing so fast. Yeah. So do you see that gap? Yeah, yeah. I think naturally, because I mean, every curriculum it has to be, you know, it has to be decided and it has to be agreed upon. And then when you just think of, you know, how do we say like a month in in crypto is like a year in real life or seven years in real life. So Things are moving extremely fast. So, yeah, I I do think there is a gap, and there are yeah there are initiatives and uh, people trying to fill that. Like one is um, uh, the Frankfurt School of Blockchain Center, or this is this is a German based uh, school, and they are doing like boot camp programs for people. So you get you know four to five months. You put yourself into an intense learning experience and you can start from anywhere whether you're you know still in your studies or whether you're a professional halfway through your career if you have an interest in blockchain these are the type of programs they offer for example and yeah i also know in in austria we also have you know the very closely to academia related um blockchain research center Mm -hmm. so they, they are doing that but i think it's it's specific areas in academia and i think this is very this is very necessary because yeah when i think back to when i graduated from high school like we do an an entry exam to go to university we were only just allowed to use the internet to do our research it was okay but it was a little bit frowned upon you were meant to go to a library and actually photocopy the pages of the books that you were referencing etc so yeah just to think of this (laughs) so and we were where we are at today and you know i mean i think you know ai is adding another layer to this so i think we need to be very fast with with adapting to new mm-hmm. knowledge that is available and 
I think, yeah, academia has has a big big place of verifying this knowledge. And this is where we have that reputation again. And I think that there will always be a gap because that process, of course, you know, there's, okay, we have a thesis, we question this thesis, we go back to, you know, readjusting the thesis. Well, it's a process yeah? until this becomes knowledge that is taught in academia. So, of course, this is going to take time. And opposite to that is crypto Twitter. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Everything is now. Every, everything is, yeah, so now. Yeah. So I think the yeah, it's a it's a fun challenge, though, right? Like yeah, bridging bridging the gap and just you know you and I having this conversation, like you know maybe twenty years ago we would have needed to have an international landline to talk on a phone. Nearly impossible, nearly impossible. Yeah. So I mean, from from uh, young professionals talking about the audience of this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they want to dabble, take initial steps in learning and all the advice that you gave right so if going to a course is not ideal because academia thinks move on a slower speed what are the opportunities you mentioned boot camp so finding these opportunities where you can actually in you know, a short form courses where you can actually do something work with mentors is, is that a way that you would recommend what was what is yeah. your yeah, I, that would be a way that, that I would recommend at the moment. I would, I would recommend, like, you know, in your chosen area of professional or academic expertise, yeah, get to the highest level that you can achieve, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're in medicine or in the law practice. Yeah, get to the highest, to the highest level of expertise you can achieve there and where your interest is now, yeah, find find these bootcamp things. Like you know, you can you can learn a lot about blockchain in four to five months, or you can if you apply yourself. And the same with programming, right? If you if you want to learn programming, you know, jump in and do it for four or five months. Yeah, immerse yourself, and then you know continue with your career again. And you might see that a completely new door opens. And yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I know that there are some some blockchain masters courses and that out there. I can't intelligently speak about them because I have not uh, attended any of them. I have a feeling, though, that one should be very careful where to apply the time and the money. Like mm-hmm. that is very true. Just just think about it over a lifespan. Like, how many of these master courses are you going to do in your professional life of whatever 40, 40 years? Yeah how long does each one of these courses take and how much does it cost you to do it? So, you know, just yeah, <laughs> from the ability aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where are there, you know, are there other reputable options where you can obtain that same level, or not same, but, you know, a, a similar level of expertise that is suitable to your personal career path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, you also touched upon mentors playing an important role, right? So mm-hmm. how, how to reach folks? I mean, it's everything's online today, but what, what's a good way to be productive as well as, I mean, a value additive, right? Because sometimes what happens is I, I hear from, from the audience that sometimes it's difficult because you're lost and then you don't really know, okay, I can, it's all own research right it's all what i am doing finding boot camps finding hackathons 
mm-hmm. or just learning online and then creating content. So I, I need to speak with people also who have more knowledge. For example, that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm speaking with you because you have more knowledge. So I want to learn from you. So what what approaches that you have seen have really worked for young professionals or students mm-hmm. in terms of finding mentors? Yeah, I think I actually think empathy goes a long way. If you talk to someone and put yourself put yourself in the shoes of that person, like is he or she? Are they going to be busy? Oh yeah, they, of course they are. Like, what is your value proposition? Like you know, it's a big difference. It makes a big difference. Like you know, reading someone's publications and having a particular question about something, or just going there. Oh, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not that they're mean but it's just that they're busy so if you give them an opportunity to answer a question for you quickly easily i think that goes a long way and showing real interest like you know being actually yeah contributing value or thinking you know I, I read your publication and i have these thoughts about this and that and i think you a lot of the time you will find that people are open to, to talk to you and to share their knowledge if you're authentic and have done your homework. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you. I mean, empathy and homework. Mm. Very productive. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So let's, let's talk about something interesting. So something interesting that you're seeing today in the industry that you have specifically your eyes on, uh, maybe on social media, just for education purposes, but what's exciting you today? Yeah. Um, well, I'm a big fan of lifelong learning and, um, you know, be, being an accountant and an, an investor, like you can imagine that I'm not the most creative person. And um, I just took a deep dive into NFTs. And I know people are skeptical about NFTs, but I actually think that they can provide, on the one hand, access to people from a different sphere. Like, of course, you know, the artist side of things, but I can, I think also how we see ownership. Like I think NFTs can play in the future a very a very big role in yeah how we how we see how we deal with ownership. Yeah, we're talking about soul bound NFTs, like you know everything that's got to do with my person. Like you know I've got the certificate, I've got a driver's license. I you know maybe I did publish a picture somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, so this on the one hand, and on the other hand, like you know like content, like you know this is yours now. This should be you know your your nft content you're putting this work in there and everyone else gets to use it but you know you were the first actually so you know this <laughs> is that's true collectibles always had value people people used to hold sneakers paintings yeah. things like that so i mean this is just digital everything digital mm-hmm. we, we are we're spending a lot of time online today right and that is yeah. it's going to go up yeah so yeah so actually, and and I think the, the the use case for NFTs, in my mind, is is broad and it's big. So yeah. And what what are some? Do you have you seen some early successes in terms of okay, this is a really great use case to begin with because again, NFTs are being used in a variety of ways. Some are not there yet because yeah. uh, one, one school of thought also says that. Not everyone, for example, talking about sneakers, right? Not everyone is mad behind sneakers. Of course, there's a huge group of people, but again, that's not the majority. So, mm-hmm. uh, so there are early adopters and uh, yeah. followers. So, something that you have seen. I think it's 
is probably going to be the boring use cases. Like one that I encountered recently is the the material certification for steel, like you know, like a hard metal. Yeah. That um, because when you think about it, you know, in in the aviation industry, you have to provide 50 years of proof where that particular batch of steel came from, what it is made up, what the composition is, etc. So these are safety issues, and you have to keep that record for you know for 50 years or something. So this is a it sounds like a super boring use case, you know, if you're thinking about sneakers and bored apes and all the all the things that get us excited, right? But it's a very practical use case. And at this time, at this point in time, you know, we're still sending PDF documents of, you know, proof of this is the type of steel and from that batch and this has gone into this packet of steel. This is so, yeah, I don't know. This is so 500 years ago, right? <laughs> we, can, we can absolutely simplify these processes. And yeah. In, That's a very interesting in, use case. No. Yeah, in these... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting is relative, but 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 practical. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere where we can actually apply it, you know, even without saying the word blockchain, right? Like it's, because it's just there. It's a it's a technology that's applied, and it's here's where we go with the with solving the problem again. It simplifies. It speeds up the process for all the people who are involved in you know sending PDF documents back and forth, making sure they're all correctly registered, whatever they're doing. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Effective from day one. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think about the actual users of this, right? Because the industry, mm-hmm. how ready is the industry? Because there's definite effectiveness, right? It's 100% mm-hmm. from day one. So yeah. Yeah. Industry yeah. yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it plays together that it effective the use case is proven it's there and um i'm looking through the set through the lens of the regulatory person mm-hmm. again i think there needs to be certainty so when we have certainty how are for example how are NF- nfts actually handled how are they taxed what are they then industry can jump on the ship and they can actually use it yeah and and of course the technical technological implementation needs to be there. Yeah. Is, is there anything? So I have been speaking a lot. I've been asking so many questions back back to back. So yeah, and in general, I would I would encourage young people to to get into you know get, join the hackathons. If you're even if you're not a developer, like these are great places to actually find team members to to develop an idea that you might have already or to to launch an idea that you have mm-hmm. together. And y- you could have your expertise and someone else will have their expertise and get into it and and do it. You, know, you have to get your hands onto the subject. And if you are, yeah, if you are, I can't help, I come from a, you know, from a I'm the voice of reason. <laughs> If you are launching a product and a project and a token, put some please put some thought into how you're going to structure it legally at the moment. Because there are there are options also. Like we have this, you know, we have this international connected world. I mean, there are, you know, the big it's a big topic in the United States at the moment. 
the regulatory aspects, the SEC, you know, the Security Exchange Commission going after Binance and Coinbase and a number of coins. So there is legal debate, but, you know, open your eyes and ears. Like, you know, there are other countries and other legislations that could provide a ground where you can actually launch your product within more within legal certainty. Yeah. And also there, there are enough people, you know, who are eager to help startups. So it's not, you know, sometimes I think you know, we shy away from it's like, you know, a lawyer or an accountant, you know, they're going to be $500 just to pick up the phone. It's give, give it a go. You know, like <laughs> talk, talk to them. And often they're, they're supporting startup competitions as well. So they're, they're there to talk to them. And if you find one, grab them, ask them all the questions you have. <laughs> Sometimes you know it gets overwhelming probably for someone who doesn't have a lot of knowledge, doesn't have a lot of connections. Yeah. Uh, and of course, low on technology, low on the knowledge itself when they're learning something. So yeah, yeah, it's for example, if you're talking to someone one to one, you must have done that a lot. How do you make them comfortable with the thought that hey, because you have to take initiative? It's not like because Web3 is also different in a lot of ways because you have more ownership in general in terms of opportunities, mm-hmm. taking initiatives, following your passion. So it requires a lot of initiative, right? Which, mm-hmm. which is not common. Web2 doesn't teach us that. We, we follow a certain, mm-hmm. certain routine. We follow a certain, uh, for example, you talk about chartered accountancy. I'm a chartered accountant. And I mean, uh, the reason I did that was, you know, there was a set path. I could follow it. I could see, okay, mm-hmm. get the degree start my work and then follow that work life. So, yeah, what would you say someone who's as confused as me in terms of, okay, I have a lot of ideas. I don't know where to start, what, how to take the initiative. I'm afraid, you know, all those, those yeah. mixed things. Yeah. It depends on where someone's motivation is, but what you just said actually is there not many people have walked that path. Well, this is the time of, you know, selling the shovels to the gold diggers. Like, you know, this is where we can actually make money. Like, it's an, yeah, you have to take this initiative, but there is a, a large potential for this initiative to be rewarded mm-hmm. financially and also in terms of what, what you're doing with your life. Because there is, there is opportunity because that, that given path, well, it's also got limitations, right? They can't really wear left or right from that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's one reason why I left corporate accounting. I, so I would, I would really encourage to, there, there will be local startup initiatives. And sometimes I, I, I had this impression sometimes that they seemed like you already need to be, like have that massive idea and, you know, you're best if you already have, you know, if you're, shortly before the series a funding series <laughs> but it's not always like that you know just just go to go to a local event and apply and see where you can get and if your if your idea has not developed that far yet then go and join the event and see what others are doing there you know, learn and don't like bring it bring it back to the ground like sometimes all this information can seem overwhelming also right like we have all these options and we could do this and we could do that and we could do that but what is the problem we want to solve the first the first question and then start from there so the big picture in mind and take the next step focus Mm -hmm. on the next step that's 
Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, have the big picture in mind and focus on the next step. <laughs> super, super. That is awesome. You're just dropping some truth bombs here, dropping some gold advice. That was yours. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, mean, I just summarized what you're saying. So nothing's original. <laughs> I think you. I also read about uh, courses. You also help or you also create courses. Mm-hmm. On the exciting topics of taxation. <laughs> Doctor of taxation, amazing. No, but I think that that's a big space, right? That's I yeah. Mean, that is what make it real. This technology. Yeah, and it, the motivation here for me was also that you know some people shy away from actually investing in crypto because it's so oh, you know what I do with the tax and well get some basic knowledge. You know that that should not like tax should not be the thing that keeps you from pursuing something that you think inherently has value, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's why I like to make that approachable for people. And And the other one is um, what is dear to my heart is encouraging more women to come into the blockchain space. It's still that even, what is it, 2023, still 90% are men in um, in this industry. So... I like to do my part also to you know, to encourage more women to take that leap and take that step and get involved. And so I'm, I'm a mentor on that side. Yeah. And how how to encourage more women in the industry? Is there, have you seen that women also have equal, I mean, they're equally interested in this. It's something that's stopping them, something that we can do to help them, you know, get more involved. What are you seeing? What's the challenges or opportunities? Yeah, I think it's possibly because it has got such it has got such a tech background, right? And programming and technology is traditionally male driven, and it's still it's still the case today. So, I think if we're creating more more platforms where women can actually realize that oh there there are others out there as well and i have this you know from my investment side you know we are a group of just female investors we kind of gathered and they're all into blockchain and and now i'm seeing with this program where i'm a mentor this is an international program and it's incredible the the technological expertise or the you know the the expertise in their subjects that women who have entered the space have and I think it's a bit of a case of you know if you can see her you can be her like a little bit of uh, role role modeling you know seeing seeing more women in the space um yeah a relative role model yeah yeah and sometimes it is really creating a space like I know this is program where there are only females and whenever it comes to you know presenting the work all the hands go up everyone wants to present and okay. when we're on a mixed group i usually observe that the women are you know there's more inclined to step back a little bit and you know maybe let others go first so th- this is what i'm observing <laughs> so, what do you do what's your approach to increase them hey come forward it's okay it's yeah you know. Well, on the one hand, yeah, I'm a mentor in this in this women's group, and uh, in the other groups, sometimes I ask. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I'm like, and if I know someone, you know, if I know the area of expertise, then I, I can I say you're, I know you're an expert in, eh? in marketing. You're, what do you think about this? Because I think it can be, yeah, it can be intimidating when you're in a program. Like I, I also encounter this, right? Like, I mean, I, I did five months of programming, but I've got no clue about programming really. And if real programmers are there and they're talking about technological issues, I'm, you know, I have a tendency to all of a sudden turn into, <laughs> turn into a bit of a mouse. <laughs> but then I just listen there and say, okay, well, this is this is his or her area of expertise and mine is a different one. So, you know, let's, let, let's be confident and compassionate, I think. <laughs> so you, you, you actually mentioned that this is a, a global uh, mentorship program, something that people yeah. from across the world can do? Yeah. Yeah, so, everyone can apply for this. So it's I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I just know them and I think it's a it's a good thing they're doing. This is the Frankfurt School Blockchain Center. Okay. And it's called Web3 Talents. So it's Web3 and talents.io. So jump on there, apply for one of the programs if you're interested. Like they the do programs in uh, Bitcoin, DeFi, NFT. They got a new one, I think, refi. So it's going into the finance yeah. area. And the one that is sort of reserved for women. Thanks. Thank you everyone for the understanding, but this is reserved for women. It's um DLT talent. Yeah. 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 And maybe there's something there that you can join and and apply for. It's it's free as well. There is a selection process. So you have to apply for it. Of course, you know, always show your motivation. Show your true reason why you want to participate and yeah, be ready to put in some work and get a lot of reward for that, yeah, professionally and also, you know, interpersonally. It's a great, great platform to meet other other professionals from various backgrounds to connect who are, you know, keen and passionate about DLT, DLT, distributed ledger technology. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's definitely helpful to to work with peers to see how they are progressing, yeah. how they're learning, and then what you can learn from them. So yeah, this helps to do it in a it's, group. Yeah, to totally. It kind of it pushes us along, right? Like, yeah. like bit of bit of um competitive, friendly, friendly, <laughs> friendly yeah. competition, and um, you know, input from others, of course, and um, yeah. yeah, some sort of external motivation always helps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Super. And uh, how how do people follow you? Or where do people, how can people find you? Probably on LinkedIn, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will drop the, I will yeah. drop LinkedIn in the show yeah. notes. Uh, uh, really, the drop me a note. I look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> if anyone about wants taxation, to connect. About anything outside taxation, everything is game on. <laughs> Work out really. Yeah. If, if you're passionate about distributed ledger technology, if you're passionate about community decentralization and taking responsibility <laughs> i'm always keen to have a chat <laughs> yeah, especially the last one if you're keen to take the responsibility that's important. yes <laughs> be empathetic and do your homework and yes sky's the limit 